Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 338. My name is Emily Rainbow Davis. Thank you for listening to the blogcast. I realized that 338 episodes is actually a lot of episodes. <laughs> like if you've just joined, you're like, oh, maybe I'll listen to the back catalog. And then there's 337 previous blogcasts to listen to is a lot. It's a lot. Anyway, welcome. If you're just joining, I'm glad to have you. Uh, today's blog is about an article that I saw in The Hollywood Reporter, which I am sent for free, which is amazing, because I am the artistic director of a theater company. Somehow, that puts me on a list that gives me free magazines. And occasionally I see things in those magazines that make me want to write angry blogs, which here we go. Uh, so this one is called Can Gen X Women Play Gen X Women, Please? It was the publicity photo that filled me with rage. In it, star reporters Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey stand like bookends around actors Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan, who are leaning on a ladder. I've got nothing against ladders or any of the people involved, but still, this photo made me mad. Here, we have two of our Gen X heroes, two women who heroically chase down a thorny story, putting themselves at risk and for no reason at all other than Hollywood. They are being portrayed by two younger, fresher-faced women. It's not as if this story happened 20 years ago, so they need to demonstrate younger selves. These events took place in 2017. It's not like they're ancient history. Why are we looking at women in their 30s when it was women in their 40s who broke this story? Now, I've done the research, and it turns out Mulligan and Kazan are not technically that much younger than Tui and Cantor. There's a not-quite-ten-year gap. But to my eye, it is much larger. Mulligan and Kazan can, and have recently, played characters much younger than they are, so they do not read as women who will soon be greeting their 40s. And maybe more significantly, there is a generational divide in that nearly 10-year gap. It feels meaningful to me that Gen X women broke this story and that they broke it in their 40s. I think women in their 30s couldn't have done it. This is not because women in their 30s aren't capable or smart or even experienced. It's because, I think, something shifts for a lot of women in their 40s that allows for the kind of tenacity and not giving a fuck that was necessary to break that New York Times Weinstein story. The fact that it was Gen X women who broke this story matters. It was largely Gen X women who were the victims of Harvey Weinstein, and these ground-shifting conversations happened between women who shared a generational history. I know Hollywood loves to cast particularly beautiful movie stars to play regular people. This is not new or news, but to my eye, it looks as though they cast two beautiful girls to play two powerful women. And the women they're portraying are also very beautiful. I imagine their beauty was helpful in their careers. Congratulations to everyone on looking gorgeous. 
But I wish they'd made a different choice for this film. I've been impressed with Carrie Mulligan for a long time now. Promising Young Woman was a tour de force for her. I am usually thrilled to see her in anything. Not this time, though. There are so few women in their 40s on screen. As I've said before, there are so few. Many people had no idea what women in their 40s could even look like. Couldn't we have had this one? Couldn't Generation X have seen ourselves as we actually are, instead of played by younger women who look like they just got out of college? The eldest millennials have entered their early 40s. I think they might be powerful and plentiful and loud enough as a generation to remain visible. But could we, Gen X, not be erased even as we stand here? I think age is an important factor in the reporting that happened around Weinstein, at least for the women at the New York Times. I think women any younger than 40 could not have broken this case. I think a reporter who was also a woman would need a lot of experience under her belt, both of journalism, but also at negotiating being a woman, both with other women and at not taking the usual bullshit from men. Harvey Weinstein targeted young women. He used tricks and tactics that young women are especially vulnerable to, or at least they were when the events of this story took place. I think it's incredibly significant that this is a story about what happened 20 years ago, as well as what happened now. I understand why these younger actors wanted to play these reporters. The reporters are powerful women who are incredibly good at their jobs. Those are shoes that could be very powerful to step into and live in for a while. But if I were to watch this movie, I feel like I'd watch it in the way I watch little girls playing kings. Like, good for them. They're going to grow so much from this. In other words, it'll feel like watching some play acting, not authentic, powerful women taking down a monster. The movie will be like the Shutterbugs, Lil 9-11, instead of Spotlight. There are so many actors in their 40s who are the age of these reporters who I would have loved to have seen do this. I think younger women would also benefit from seeing actors older than them. If there's one thing that's for sure, it's that if things go well, they too will be in their 40s one day and they'll want to see their peers kicking ass, just like I do. I have not seen this movie. I'm not sure I will. I feel like I would, in fact, if it had, in fact, starred some Gen X ladies. I'm not sure about that, but I, I like as it is, I'm not interested. But say if I don't know, they put uh, Linda Cardellini could have done it. She'd have been great. And I don't know why, but I feel like I would be kind of interested in seeing maybe a comedian's dramatic turn. Like a Sarah Silverman would be really cool in this movie. I don't know. I don't know what actually happens in the movie. I'm making assumptions based on what I know about the reporting. But like, anyway, anybody see it? What do you think? How was it? Annoying? (laughs) Maybe it's fantastic. Maybe it's just great. I don't know. So what song shall I deliver to you here at the end? Well, 
it's funny because I started to think about uh, Gen X songs, like songs that were popular um, in the era. Because I was like, one of the th- one of the, one of the things that feels significant is the like culture you were coming up in, right? That that you those references filter into your life choices, how you think about things. So I was like, well, yeah, like what are some, you know, classic Gen X lady tunes? And I was trying to think of ones I already knew. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've never done um, Verity Cries, which was a song I learned when I was like in college. So it was like one I continued to to play for a while. So then I was looking at 10,000 Maniacs. And there's a lot of songs in there that are like classic Gen X-y tunes. Um and then I thought, oh, you know, maybe I should do What's the Matter here because it's like it's a song about uh, a neighbor being concerned about child abuse uh, nearby. And this is a, a movie that's about, you know, two reporters tackling a, a, a abuse Um So then I started to learn what's the matter here. And then I was like, you know, it's funny because didn't like Luca came out the same. Like I thought, oh, sometime in the same time period. So I was thinking like, isn't it isn't it amazing that Gen X made two songs about child abuse hits? Because even though neither Natalie Merchant nor Suzanne Vega are Gen X, they're both Gen Jones. But like. Gen X made those songs hits, right? Like, because they were the young people who were buying the music in that time period or requesting it or however they measure these things. And I was like, it's crazy that there were two songs in the 80s that Gen X was like, yes, please, we'd like more songs about child abuse. And then I looked them up and they're both the same year, which is even crazier. So in 1987, for whatever reason... Two songs about neighbors witnessing child abuse. One, Luca, went to number three on the Billboard charts, which is really high. And uh, what's the matter here? 10,000 Maniacs went to number eight. Also really high. So I I just was, I don't floored by that. Like, because I have not heard a song about child abuse since, I don't think. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. But, like, and then it just made me think about, like, oh, Gen X has this reputation for being, like, really cynical and really, like, you know, turn, like, we don't care, we're not, you know, like, there's a whole, there's a whole vibe that, that says Gen X just doesn't care about anything, whatever is our, our key phrase or something. I don't know. In any case, it's not entirely true. Because Gen X can be really earnest sometimes. <laughs> and we made two songs. Number two, one, two, songs about child abuse hits in 1987. So there is just something, I don't know, just it, it kicked off a whole series of thoughts for me that were, I don't know, just banging around. And I was thinking like, right, so these two women grew up thinking about witnessing uh, injustice and um, that's, I think, a, an important part of the, you know, mix of their lives. And that's not something a younger actor would think about even, probably. Anyway, that's a long journey down the 
two songs about child abuse from 1987. Um, so I, instead of doing What's the Matter Here, I'm going to do Luca because it just, um, I like it better. <laughs> Someday maybe I'll do What's the Matter Here. Um, certainly people remember Luca in a way that, that I don't think What's the Matter Here has st- stuck around quite as much. So maybe I'll bring it back. Um, in any case, momentarily, I will sing for you Luca. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please tell someone about it. Like, review, subscribe. If you'd like to support it with your dollars, that would be amazing. Patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis is the center of the support. I am in the middle of um, finishing up the zines, taking a little longer this year. Uh, But I am sewing up the bindings right now, and we'll get them in the mail hopefully this week. Um, and there's also Kofi, there's PayPal, all those links are in the show notes. And I thank you, however you're supporting this, just by listening, you are supporting. So I thank you for that. So now I shall give to you, uh, on guitar, a song that I thought was going to be hard to play, but it's not really, uh, uh, here is Suzanne Vega's number three song. From 1987, Luca. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. I live upstairs from you. Yes, I think you've seen me before. If you hear something late at night, kind of trouble, some kind of fight. Just don't ask me what it was. Just don't ask me what it was. Just don't ask me what it was. I think it's cause I'm clumsy. I try not to talk too loud. Maybe it's because I'm crazy. I try not to act too proud. Only hit until you cry, and after that, you don't ask why. You just don't argue anymore. You just don't argue anymore. You just don't argue anymore. Yes, I think I'm okay. Walked into a door again If you ask, that's what I'll say And it's not your business anyway I think I'd like to be alone With nothing broken, nothing thrown Just don't ask me how I am Just don't ask me how I am Just don't ask me on the second floor I live upstairs from you yes I think you've seen me before if you hear something late at night some kind of trouble some kind of fight just don't ask me what it was just don't ask me what it was just don't ask me what it was and they only hit 
until you cry And after that, you don't ask why You just don't argue